Row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. Row, merrily, row, merrily, row merrily, row merrily, gently down the stream. Merrily, 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 merrily. Light. Come on, Spock, why didn't you jump in? I was trying to comprehend the meaning of the words. It's a song, you green-blooded Vulcan. You sing it. The words aren't important. What's important is that you have a good time singing it. Oh, I am sorry, Doctor. We'll be having a good time. Welcome to the Late Night Fright. I am Dan. And I am Faith. It's been a while since we've done the show. It has. (laughs) Life has gotten in the way. Yes. You could say that the coasters called and needed a bass player, and that may have taken up a little bit of time. I did play with the coasters in the downtime that we had from the show. It was a good show, and if you get the chance to go see the coasters, they're out there on the road. Go check them out. I highly recommend it. Faith, you were there. What did you think of the show? I was there. It was amazing. It was amazing. Yeah. The band was amazing. You were amazing. They um, they have uh, the leader of the group uh, harkens back to the original coasters. He is related. I believe he's the son of one of the original coasters. They're out there. If you get a chance, go check it out. Check out as much of that old rock and roll as you can, because it's still the vibrant American art form. Speaking oh, yes. of the American art form, we're here to talk about movies. We are the Late Night Fright Horror and Sci-Fi Movie Podcast. Right now, you could be eating a big bowl of beans, watching Smokey and the Bandit. Maybe you could have pork rinds, watching Night Court reruns. But you're here with us. (laughs) I don't know if you made the better choice, but you're here with us. We're honored, though. You're here with us, and yes, we are. On Late Night Fright, we are champions of the underdog, aren't we, Faith? We are. You know, Mr. Lobo of Cinema Insomnia. Cinema Insomnia airs, of course, on OSI 74. He's been hosting that for over 20 years now. He likes to say they're not bad movies. They're just misunderstood. Tonight, we have a movie that's not a bad movie, but nope. might be a little misunderstood. I would, I would say so. I think it might be a little misunderstood. It has been much maligned in its history. It came out in the summer of 1989. It's part of one of the all-time great science fiction franchises. Some would argue the greatest science fiction franchise of all time. Faith, what movie are we talking about tonight? We are doing Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. Released in 1989, directed by William Shatner. This is going to be a good one. We have a little bit of a of a history segment here. We're going to give you a short synopsis and the history of the film, and we will see you on the other side of this. You are listening to the Late Night Fright Horror and Sci-Fi Movie Podcast. And remember, you could be eating beans watching Smokey and the Bandit. Why aren't we eating beans? We will, right here on this break. Wonderful. <laughs> we'll be right back. After defeating genetic Superman Khan Noonien Singh, returning Spock's Katra to his newly regenerated body, and traveling back in time to save the whales, there was only one thing left for everyone's favorite starship captain, James Tiberius Kirk, to do, direct a big-budget, major motion picture. The crew of the Starship Enterprise was going to meet God, but they'd have to go through hell to do it. Leonard Nimoy had successfully directed The Search for Spock and The Voyage Home, the third and fourth films in the Star Trek franchise respectively, and mentioned to his friend William Shatner that because of a clause in their Trek contracts going back to the days of the original 1966 to 1969 television series, Shatner could successfully lobby to direct the fifth film in the series. The Favored Nations Clause stipulated that each actor got what the other got, be it script control, a pay raise, or the director's chair. Star Trek V The Final Frontier finds Captain Kirk and his crew dealing with a renegade Vulcan named Cybok, who also happens to be the half-brother of Mr. Spock. Cybok is portrayed by Lawrence Luckinbill in a role that was originally offered to Sean Connery, who is unavailable because of his commitment to Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Cybok long ago denounced the logical lifestyle of his Vulcan brethren 
and instead embrace the passions of his ancestors. He smiles, laughs, and engages in otherwise unvulcan-like behavior, including taking a Romulan, Klingon, and Terran hostage on Nimbus III, the planet of galactic peace, in an effort to hijack a starship. Cybok is on a quest. Wait! You know we'll never make it through the Great Barrier. But if we do, will that convince you that my vision was true? Your vision? Given to me by God. He waits for us on the other side. You are a man. Am I? We'll see. Shatner was inspired by the televangelists of the 1980s in developing the story for The Final Frontier. He said, They were repulsive, strangely horrifying, and yet I became absolutely fascinated. Shatner was intrigued that not only did these personalities convince others God was speaking directly to them, but they became wealthy by what Shatner considered false messages. In case you're not familiar with these paragons of virtue, or if it's been a while, Enjoy these clips of Jimmy Swaggart, Jim Baker, and Robert Tilton. I have sinned against you, my Lord. And I would ask that your precious blood would wash and cleanse every stain until it is in the seas of God's forgetfulness. Thank you. Thank you. And God bless you. You had preached that God wanted his subjects to live a, a lavish or successful lifestyle. You quoted from the New Testament, I pray you will be in good health as your soul prospers. Did you really feel that God was advising you to acquire material wealth? I really felt that prosperity gospel was the truth. I really thought that God wanted us to not have any problems, not have any sickness, not have any pain. Yes, but that's not the same as God wanting you to have lots of money, expensive clothes, <clears throat> uh, yes. huge salaries, yes. lots of luxuries. We're not talking about health and pain. Yes, yes, but I really, sincerely believed in what I was teaching. Our ministry just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. That word's not for everyone, but it's a particular person. You should have moved a long time ago. And you're missing it, and your family is suffering by it. That's a word. As surely as I'm speaking by the Spirit of God, that is a word for a person right now. That is God penetrating your heart. It's burning on the inside of you, and you need to make a vow of faith of a thousand dollars. Oh, Bob, couldn't you say twenty-five? No! You can't make a thousand dollar vow of faith. I'm saying in faith. So we got people that don't have teenagers that have no, hardly nothing going for them. They got enough faith to make a thousand dollar vow and send a little five dollars here and ten dollars there as God begins to move like a whirlwind in their lives. Because they don't have that old programming of religion. Well, this isn't the way we do it in my church. Forget your church. I'm talking about what God says. And if you want the kind of miracles that are in the Bible, you're going to have to do what God said to do. And I've got the faith to believe they'll come to pass. This is hot soil for anyone that's got the faith to sow into it right now. The Final Frontier faced many production problems. There was a writer's strike, a teamster's strike, and Industrial Light and Magic, the effects house founded by George Lucas and responsible for the previous film's special effects proved unavailable because of their commitments to Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade and Ghostbusters 2. In addition, producer Harve Bennett, series creator Gene Roddenberry, and Paramount Studios were not happy with the story. Post-production would also prove to be hellacious. I don't want my pain taken away. I need my pain. Despite all of the production problems, Shatner's film opened on June 9, 1989, and was number one at the box office. Star Trek V The Final Frontier also boasted the biggest opening of any film in the series. The final screenplay was by David Lowry. The cast included original series veterans William Shatner as James T. Kirk, Leonard Nimoy as Spock, DeForest Kelly as Dr. Bones McCoy, James Duhon as Scotty, 
Nichelle Nichols as Uhura, Walter Koenig as Chekhov, and George Takei as Sulu. Cynthia Gow played Romulan Ambassador Caitlin Dar. Charles Cooper appeared as Klingon General Cord. Todd Bryant and Spice Williams Crosby were the Klingons Claw and Vixus. And David Warner was Federation Ambassador John Talbot. Horror fans who know their history will recall that Warner was Wes Craven's original choice to play Freddy Krueger in 1984's A Nightmare on Elm Street. The score was composed by Oscar winner Jerry Goldsmith, who had provided the musical accompaniment for 1979's Star Trek The Motion Picture. Critics were not kind to the film upon its release, and the film did not do as well at the box office as the series' previous entry, The Voyage Home. It did not help that it was released in the summer of 1989, a summer that saw the release of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, Ghostbusters 2, and Tim Burton's Batman. Despite the critical and commercial reception, the series would continue with 1991's The Undiscovered Country, the final film to feature all of the original Enterprise crew members. And yes, Captain Kirk did indeed meet God. And no, he was not impressed. This starship, could it carry my wisdom beyond the barrier? It could, yes! Then I shall make use of this starship. It will be your chariot! Excuse me. It will carry my power to every corner of creation. Excuse me, I'd just like to ask a question. What does God need with a starship? Bring the ship closer. I said, what does God need with a starship? Jim, what are you doing? I'm asking you a question. Who is this creature? Who am I? Don't you know? Aren't you God? He has his doubts. You doubt me? I seek proof. Jim, you don't ask the Almighty for his ID. Then here is the proof you seek. We have eaten beans. Delicious. <laughs> Had a few pork rinds, too. Let's get right to it. Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. This is a movie that, as we said when it came out, was uh, not overlooked, but it critically was not as well received as Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home. That's the one with the whales for all of you out there. Uh, summer of 89 was a pretty magical time. As we said, we had Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade. We had... Lethal Weapon 2 was out. We had Ghostbusters 2. Summer of sequels, too. And then we have this that comes out. So expectations were pretty high, both critically and commercially for this. And it kind of didn't meet those expectations at the time. So let's get into it. Faith, is this movie as bad as people like to make it out to be? I don't think so. I'm quite confused why it's so... I guess it is misunderstood because it's. I think it's a wonderful movie. It really is. One reason, I'm going to give one idea I have on this why maybe it wasn't as well received at the time and still today might possibly be a reason is because Mm -hmm. there was a new Star Trek TV show at the time called The Next Generation that was going into its second year when this came out or was finishing its second year. And even then, the fandom had started to split, like which show were you, you know. Right, right. Which was your show kind of thing. So... That might be a thing. I don't know. Uh, I prefer the original series myself. But this this movie is one of the most entertaining things I've seen recently. We watched it a few days ago getting ready for the show. It is funny. It is insightful. It has action. It has adventure. I feel like this is William Shatner defined, you know, as, so a, as a person. His DNA is all over this. And what I like about this movie, and let's talk about this movie series. We have, we have the motion picture, which is esoteric and very 2001, but then we have the wrath of Khan. We've done that on the show. And that is one of the finest motion pictures I think ever made. It just hits (laughs) all of the sweet spots of life. Right. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Right. There's youth and old age and death and rebirth and friendship and family and vengeance and, and, and emotionality in that movie that, that it just, I don't think it's ever been topped 
it, it, that movie really says it all. Right. You know, it does. It's such a wonderful movie. With that said, it's a heavy watch. You you go into it and you got to commit to it, and it's a heavy watch. Then you get Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. Leonard Nimoy makes his directorial debut with that. Then we get the Voyage Home, which is funny. There's a lot of funny stuff in that. It's it's really a fun adventure. But this movie, for my money, feels the most like the original series. What do you think of that? I think that maybe that's part of why I love it so much. I love the original series. It just, it gives you, I don't know, it's like this comforting feeling when I watch it. And I think that's kind of why... This movie is I'm so drawn to it because it reminds me so much of the original series. And and what it is with the original series, why I think it reminds us so much of the original series is because this is the one movie in the series that really focuses on the trio of Kirk, Spock, and McCoy. And mm-hmm. they, to me, are the heart of Star Trek. Oh, of you course. have logic, then you have reason on one side, and you have James Tiberius Kirk right in the middle, you know, the perfect kind of uh, fusion of those two things. Exactly. And not only do you get to spend time with them in this movie, mostly in this movie, more in this movie than the other movies, but you hang out with them. That's the thing. You're hanging out with them. They're on shore leave. They're camping, mm-hmm. you know, they go up in the space and they, and they're, they're a group. They're, you know, the, the three stooges in a way. <laughs> and I just absolutely love them. And why I love them so much, not only are the characters drawn so well, it's these three actors, these three actors, oh, absolutely. Like great athletes, you know, when you see great athletes performing together, especially if you have uh, athletes on a in a team sport like uh, basketball or or football, a quarterback and a wide receiver, who just know each other's movements, you ju- they just know where the other one is going, right? You know, and these three guys, William Shatner, Leonard Nimoy, and DeForest Kelly, just play off of each other so well. And it's effortless. You feel like you're just watching these guys. Just hang out. And and to me, that was one of the pure joys of this movie was seeing these three together and seeing them. uh, It appeared that they were having a lot of fun, too. They they seemed like they were having (laughs) a lot of fun. And the humor elements come from the three of them. And maybe this movie gets a few more laughs than it should just because of the way that they play (laughs) off of each other. And it's great reactive humor. Uh, D. Kelly, the great late, great D. Kelly, uh, his facial expressions just his reactions yes. were priceless. And Nimoy seems to be having fun playing Spock here and, and being part of this. And William Shatner, God bless him. I don't know how he had the energy to do this. He was up at 4 a.m. every day because he was directing this. And he was up at 4 a.m. no matter what time he went to bed, I was reading. So, oh, wow. And he was there. And he's very present. It doesn't show. But, you know, he's an energetic 90-something-year-old. He is. You know? And didn't he just go to space recently? He did just go <laughs> to space recently. And as we said, his DNA, his vitality, his outlook on life seems to be all over this movie. And I want to talk a little bit about his outlook on life in a second uh, uh, in relation to the God element here. Because he said something... Uh, on a show he had on A&E years ago that has stuck with me for, for many, many years and actually helped me start figuring out some things. So I want to I want to hit that in just a second. I was reminded of it as we were talking about this. Uh, there's one other element that I want to talk about, the special effects. We mentioned in the little historical segment, Industrial Light and Magic, you know, the, the great effects house, they were not able to do the effects on this one. So they had to get another effects house to do it. And the effects are not as up to par as you would like to see maybe in a big budget movie, but you know what? This feels like an original series episode. The Mm -hmm. effects in the original series were not the greatest thing in the world. (laughs) There's an endearing quality to those effects. There's an endearing quality to this. I feel like I'm watching the original series. Exactly. And it makes me very, very, very happy. Exactly. Before we move on to some of the bigger ideas here, uh, the rest of the original Enterprise cast is here. We have Scotty, Chekhov, Sulu, and Ahura. And they are just as delightful in this as our trio. And Star Trek is always at its best when everybody has something to do. And everybody here has a moment. They have some really nice, fun moments. And they're not just there, part of the scenery. Everybody is interacting with one another. And I th- this is one of the greatest casts ever assembled. I, I was going to say that. I feel like this is one of my favorite casts to watch. I feel like there's nobody in it that just feels kind of there or pointless. I feel like they're all just so good. Totally, totally. 
So Shatner, Shatner was inspired by the televangelists. What do you think of the televangelists? We heard them in the in the segment that we played. Uh, we heard Swaggart and Baker and Robert Tilton. Robert Tilton is most famous these days for being the farting preacher. Somebody dubbed farts into his uh, spiels from TV. Uh, uh, you owe yourself, you owe it to yourself to look it up because it'll make you happy. <laughs> I agree with William Shatner's assessment of these people. I'm old enough to remember when they were at their height. I'm old enough to remember when the Swaggart thing happened, and the Swaggart thing happened right in our backyard. Yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah. That his church is in our town, uh-huh. and uh, I remember that. And I remember as a kid seeing that on TV. I think I was about nine years old, eight or nine years old, and I remember seeing it because it was national news and and going. Well, he's lying. Right. It's fake. It's a fake apology because kids know, you know, kids always know. I don't know. There's I agree with his assessment that that there's something very snaky. Disturbing. And listen, listen, this is a show. Let me say this. This is a show where we have faith and I have a discussion and you all are invited into this discussion If you'd like to reach out to us, you can at late night fright podcast.com. Um, if you are a person of faith, please do not think that we are after you at all. Oh, because no. I know no, no, no. so many people of faith who live their lives peacefully and by example and do so much good for, for their communities and their neighbors and for themselves. I'm related to some of those people, and I'm so proud to be related to those people and to see the great works that they do. And I, I believe in, in, in works. You know, I believe right. that you live by example. These people who, who call who, who, who tell you to send them money. Mm-hmm. There's something just so say, wrong about that. We're, we're not necessarily, you know, dogging these people. It's, there's going to be snaky people in most professions and most, you know, so it's like, of course, you're going to have people in this profession that are going to be the a people little, who make God a business. Yeah. You know? that's it's, And it's sickening. It's sickening. It and, and if you tell somebody, somebody who might not be on the, on, you know, all there, maybe, you know, like, Hey, if you send me a thousand dollars, you're going to be healed. You know, it's like, come on, yeah. come on. So, well, that, that kind of segues into what the movie is about. And one of the, one of the big criticisms against the movie was that was the story. And the story is the search for God. And it's the search for meaning, you know, we have this great character, Cybok. We're going to talk about him in a second. He's had this vision that they're going to be able to go to the center of the galaxy, to this planet called Shakari. Shakari is a takeoff on the name Sean Connery, who <laughs> wanted to play Cybok. I, I think he wanted to play Cybok. He couldn't. I, that would have been great. We'll talk oh, about that no. in a second. Uh, but he has had a vision, and he needs to get to Shakari because God waits for him there at the center of the galaxy. And a lot of people said, you know, well, if you set out to find God, you know you're not going to find God, so what's the point of the story? I think there's a bigger point to the story, and, I, and we're going we're gonna to hit on that in just a second. But I love how this is handled. I absolutely love how the element of the creator you know, is handled because is that not the big question that we all have? Or at least most of us. Yeah. You know, why are we here? Right. You know, yeah. I, that that's the question. What are we doing here? What are we doing, <laughs> what are we doing on this planet? Why are What's we here? Purpose? You know, why did you create us? Mm-hmm. You know, and that's, that's an essential human question. So, I mean, I, I think to gloss that over, like, Oh, they're looking for God. They're not going to find God. I think I think that does a disservice to the movie. That does a disservice. I think so too. That does a disservice. I think to what's in the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, watch what's in the movie. There's a lot of good stuff happening in the movie. And before we go too further, uh, too much further, two things I want to say. One is this is a very. I, I noticed this when we were watching. It. It's a very literate film. Um, I don't think Shatner gets enough credit as a director on this. Because one of the very first things that we see in this movie, we see a tree in the desert, and this tree just looks rotted. And I looked at Faith, and I said, I've been watching this movie over 30 years. I've never noticed that tree, that rotten tree there, uh-huh. which to me was symbolic of the tree of life in the Garden of right. Eden. You know? Yeah. And then we have uh, Cybok and his followers riding horses into uh, the... I forget the name of the city on uh, Nimbus 3, 
but uh, they go into like the little capital city or whatever it is. And he's riding horses, and the allusion there is to Jesus Christ riding into Jerusalem on the donkey, you know, on Palm Sunday. Yep. You know? Yeah. And I was like, wow, okay, okay. And Cybok kind of sort of looks Christ-like in a, in a way he with does. that beard and that hair, you know? Kind of has a Messiah look about him, you know? And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, there's there's a lot more going on in this movie than, than I think some people want want to give it credit for. Right. No, I agree. So um let's talk about Cybok. Uh I question anybody who has who says they have the answers. We were talking about the oh, televangelists. I question anybody who has the answers. There was a lady who told me a long time ago, take your notion of God and then expand it by infinity. Then you're starting to get into the ballpark of what God might be. <laughs> you know <laughs> we we just don't know. We don't. We just don't know. And I we question don't. anybody who says that they have the answers. Exactly. No no one has all the I'm answers. I'm talking, no I, I mean a definitive answer that right. says right. I have a definitive answer, you know. And you can't question it. <laughs> and you can't question it. And you know, it's, it's, a, it's a sad state of affairs that we live in a world today where people who question things are called terrorists. Exactly. If you question a narrative, you're called a terrorist. And I'm talking on both sides of the aisle, Mm -hmm. you know, and um, it's a really sad state of affairs because they don't want you thinking because, because if you start thinking, you start questioning their narrative. And if you start questioning the narrative, then Then you're not putting two and two together. Then you're not, (laughs) under the spell of their propaganda. Right. And if you're not under the spell of the propaganda, you're not living in fear. Exactly. You know, you're not living in fear. Because if you start thinking for yourself and you open your eyes and you look around at the world, and listen, I'm not talking about any virus that may or may not have been out there. I'm talking about the whole shebang. Mm-hmm. And you see it from 30,000 feet and you see how it works. See, they don't want that. You know, they nope. don't want that. No, and it's a shame. It's a shame that we live in a world where where you can't question, which is great. This is a great segue because we have a character in this movie who does question things, and you pointed it out, and and we're going to talk about that in a second. Before we get there, uh, I talked about Shatner. Shatner said something years and years and years ago. He had a show. uh, It was called Raw Nerve with William Shatner, and it aired on the A&E channel, and he would have uh, guests from every walk of life on there. And, you know, Shatner's a well-read you know, really interesting guy himself. And he would have these conversations and he talked about DeForest Kelly because DeForest died in, I believe it was 1999. And he talked about his friend on this show. I forget who he was talking to. And he said, you know, D died. Where, where, where did his love go? Where did the things that he saw in life go? Those experiences that he had, where did they go? Where did they go? And he talked about transmutation of energy. You know, he's part of all of this now, you know, but those things, are those things still with him? And I remember thinking that led me, that led me on a path towards learning about the energetic universe Mm -hmm. and energy and the way that it relates to everything (laughs) is energy. Yeah. And I was reminded of that just now as we were talking about this movie and so I, I owe a debt to Mr. Shatner for opening my eyes and, and, and starting to expand my mind. That's a good thought, though. That is, that's a very, it really touched me. And I had I, a f- I've never really I've never thought about that. You know, I mean, you think about like, where does this, you know, where where does this person go? But you don't think about their experiences and stuff. Yeah. That's and I had a friend that passed away shortly after that, a very good friend. And, and that that was very comforting. After I got over the initial shock of, of my friend passing, right. you know, it's like, well, he's those things are still here. You know, mm-hmm. they're all they're all among us because exactly. because energy cannot be created or destroyed. Exactly. It can just be changed. Yeah. You know. And it's a very comforting thought to me. So, yeah. again, Mr. Shatner's DNA is all over this film, I think. It is. It really is. Let's talk about uh, the antagonist. He's not a villain. Would you call him a villain? No, I think I think we kind of talked about him earlier. I think he's a I don't think he's a bad person. I think he's just somebody who's made bad choices, you know. <laughs> I believe that his 
motivation is um, pure. Mm-hmm. I'm hearing the Roku. <laughs> I, I know. It's like it just restarted by itself. <laughs> um, it wants us to watch Smokey and the Bandit. Uh, and yeah. Eat, beans. Eat, eat more beans. Eat beans. <laughs> I believe his motivations are, are pure. Uh, I believe his, his intent, his search is, is, is pure. But... He, he definitely does some questionable things along the way, <laughs> but he doesn't want bloodshed. So so you can go, OK, well, but yeah. you're a pacifist, but you're doing these things over here that it's questionable. And he, he uses his Vulcan power of telepathy uh, to kind of sort of con people. Right. You know, <laughs> I can heal your pain immediately, mm-hmm. you know. I think it's a great performance from Lawrence Luck and Bill. An interesting uh, uh, footnote, he is married to Lucy Arnaz, the daughter of Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz. That's very cool. And Cybok is the half-brother of Spock in Star Trek canon. And Spock uh, is also related to Arthur Conan Doyle, which is established in Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. So show business must run in Spock's family. So there you go. Uh Kind of play what if here a little bit. Sean Connery was contacted about this. I don't know how interested he was. I, I think he was interested in it, uh, but had commitments to The Last Crusade. I could see him doing this, and boy, totally would that could. have been something. Oh, I know. That really would have been something. I mean, him and. Him I think and just Shatner. to hear Seanery, uh, Seanery. 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 <laughs> Seanery. That's his new name, Seanery. That's his new name. To hear Connery say, uh, live long and prosper, brother. Yes. Yeah, that would have been something. But uh, I love the idea of the emotional Vulcan. I think that's such a I great, and not like a Romulan who are, you know, more bellicose and warlike. No, this is like right. emotional Vulcan. That's what got me, you know, we were watching it and right at the beginning, that great shot of him in the sun, yes. you know, and he's, and laughing, he's laughing. Yeah. And you see his ears and that great reveal. It's, it's really great stuff in this movie. I think Lawrence Luckenbill gives a great performance here uh, and and amazing that we're talking about Sean Connery. And it's like, no, 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 this guy's great. No, the guy they got is he fine. He really is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So Cyborg, is he a visionary or is he a madman? That's a good question. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really have a good answer. I, I really don't either. It. I feel like maybe he's like right in the middle almost. <laughs> maybe a little bit of both. I don't know. A little bit of both. Let's talk about the uh, one of the great scenes in this movie. You heard it in the in the little history segment. Uh, Kirk says, "I need my pain," and Cybok has this ability to to quote unquote take away people's pain. And and it's it's like it's like you know, okay, now it's gone. You know, it's gone. You see it now, it's gone. You know, mm-hmm. and I think Kirk is right. I think, I, th- so. I think Kirk is right. Pain. Pain is a natural part of growth. Mm-hmm. And I think the trick is that you don't dwell on that pain. You don't live in that pain and you don't let that pain define you. Right. And if it's something that you did to someone or someone did to you, you know what you do? You take that and you learn from it. You incorporate it. Because there's a lot of new agers out there who will say, oh, just don't worry about it. They'll forget about it. You know, it's like, no. No, I've had things that happen yeah. in my life that I've had to learn from. And those are the things that have helped me grow. And yeah, I think they, that's what Jim Kirk means here. Right. Yeah. I, I, we talked about it earlier. You know, if you don't, if you don't really like accept that pain and necessarily grow from it, you're just repeating the same cycle over and over. You get stuck in a cyclical pattern, and and and, and repeating. It's like it's like a repeating causality loop. And and yeah. you see people. I know a few in my life who, especially when it comes to relationships, will do the exact same thing. Over and over and over because they're not growing mm-hmm. from the experience, you know. Yeah. And I think glossing over hurt is something that's it, it, a bad thing to gloss over hurt. I think, I think so. You need to feel it, mm-hmm. you know, you need to feel it because if you feel it, then you can let the, the, the pain of it go. Exactly. And you can, you can take it and learn from it. And I think that's what. Jim Kirk. Yeah, you can here. take it and then move on with it and be like, I don't want to do that again because I know how much pain it caused me, you know? And I think a lot of people aren't aren't feeling the pain that they should, you know? So yeah. Stop numbing deal, it. 
deal with you numb it instead numb of instead <laughs> i think that's what cyborg is doing he's numbing yeah. the pain don't do it don't and, numb it and and kirk is saying deal with it i've dealt with my pain it's part of who i am it makes it it, it doesn't define me but it, it's a part it's just it it's part of who it's i part am of it's makeup, part of my yeah. makeup yeah and i think it's a really interesting interesting thing i think so I th- too i think it's i think it's, uh, I think it's, it's really interesting I, I am a fan of the streaming service Gaia. You may be familiar with Gaia if you do yoga or, or things like that. You may have some of their workout products. They make some great mats and, and yoga paraphernalia. They have a streaming service, and it's a great streaming service. They have some really uh, great esoteric stuff on there, spiritual stuff. They have their workout programs on there they also have a uh, uh, whole food cooking and and things like this so if you're into uh, a healthy quote unquote alternative lifestyle you might want to check out Gaia if you're a fan of coast to coast am and if you're listening to our show and you're a fan of horror and sci-fi you're probably a fan of coast to coast am uh, or or at least the ideas presented on coast to coast am by the host George Nori. George Norrie took over for the late great Art Bell. George Norrie has a show on Gaia called Beyond Belief. And it's funny the way things work. I don't believe in coincidences. I believe that things are always put in your path for a very specific reason. We watched the movie, and then the next evening I found uh, one of the Beyond Belief episodes. It's uh, season 18, episode 5, if you'd like to check it out. He had a woman named Susan Plunkett on, and the name of the episode was Dream Work and Angelic Guidance. And she was talking about how we get messages from spirit, and she works with dreams and dream interpretation. You know, dream interpretation is something that's present in the Bible and and has been a very big part of human history. Uh, Caesar had dreams, you know, and and uh, dreams can be premonitions and things like that, and mm-hmm. and warnings and all that, all that stuff. But one thing that was really interesting that struck me, she said, "Be careful where you're getting your visions." And she was speaking of channeling. And one thing that I get the idea here, so they find God. But it's not God. It's an alien that had been in prison on this on this planet. And I I've I get the idea that this alien had been in contact with Cyborg, had been sending him messages. Mm-hmm. And this lady is she's she's she seems like she's very sweet and very nice. And she said, just be careful where you're getting your messages. And she's actually scared to channel because she's a she's afraid of what might come in. And, you know, there's a thing in the Bible about, you know, question spirits, you know, cause, cause evil spirits have to tell you, you know, right. that they're evil. So use your intuition kind of thing. So, uh, I guess the, the moral there is be careful where you're getting your messages, be it spiritual, be it from the TV, from the government, from the media, just be very mindful of what you're getting, what your, exactly. what your antenna is picking up. And uh, Ryan Gable, the great host of The Secret Teachings, which airs on The Fringe FM, and and you can get his podcast anywhere podcasts can be found. I'm a big fan of Ryan. I've uh, emailed him a few times, and he's very very nice. And he's uh, he I think he does a great show. It is not a it does not have a political bent one way or the other. He tries to speak the truth and does a lot of great research. And so everything is really on the up and up. And Ryan talked the other night, says we can create our own demons. We can manifest them. And I think Star Trek five, the final frontier is a perfect example of someone manifesting their own demon. Yes. And, and I think, again, there's a lot going on in this movie. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of really good stuff in this. Yeah. So. I think if people, I don't know. I don't know if, if, you know, if they're unsure about the meaning of this movie or whatever, go back and watch it and maybe, you know, watch it with a fresh set of eyes. Yeah. yeah. I think it's it's aging. I think it's aging really, really well. You know, the effects, not so much, but the, but watch it. Think about the original series when you're watching it. And there you go, you know, and because it's not a terrible movie. 
it's I think it's a great movie. I think so too. It's uh it's my second favorite in the series. I, I think The Wrath of Khan is just a no, masterpiece. <laughs> I, but this is I think it's the most entertaining one in the in this. I mean we've got I mean the crew of the Enterprise riding horses, Ahura sings, you know, fan dances. Yeah, we've got a campfire, you know. You know? We got campfire. <laughs> we've got uh you know row 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 your boat. I mean there's just some, some really really great <laughs> stuff in this movie. So. As we wrap this up uh, with everything we just talked about, I think the lesson here is to be careful and stay positive and question, question things everything. because Jim Kirk questions, quote unquote, God. And that to me is one of the most uh, uh, epic Star Trek scenes oh, God, of all time. It. That is like James Kirk defined. It's you. Like, <laughs> kind of is, isn't it? Oh my god. Yeah, and I love how it gets turned around and he says, you know, he says, you know, who is this creature? Don't you know? Aren't you God? Right. That is a James T. Kirk (laughs) answer. So we are going to take a very, very short break. This is a news break, so be sure to stay tuned for all of the fake news not fit to print. I am Dan. And I am Faith. We will see you on the other side. Right, all of this week's news comes to you courtesy of Miss Elmira Gulch's seventh grade class at the Worthington School in Butt, Montana. That's Butte, Montana. I like it better my way. And here is the news. A fan at a Star Trek convention spit out her latte. The reason? William Shatner Coffee. Hmm. At the same convention, a Star Wars fan arrived for their first ever Trek convention dressed as Chewbacca. That fan made a Wookiee mistake. NASA has determined that the Starship Enterprise is indeed like toilet paper in that they both travel around Uranus searching for Klingons. Finally, what does William Shatner call his morning deuce? The Captain's Log. I don't think any of these were legitimate news items, but I'll allow it. We'll be right back. Human life is far too precious to risk on crazy stunts. Maybe it didn't cross that macho mind of yours, but you should have been killed when you fell off that mountain. It crossed my mind. And? And even as I fell, I knew I wouldn't die. Oh, I thought he was the only one who's immortal. Oh, no, it isn't that. I knew I wouldn't die because the two of you were with me. I do not understand. I've always known. I'll die alone. Well, uh, call the holler and have them reserve a room for you. Welcome back. That is one of my favorite scenes in all of Star Trek. And it's really sadly ironic now because he is the only one left of the three. Sad. It is sad. That's that's how it goes. Though. I know. He's an amazing guy. Just went in the space, as we said. I know. You know. And ninety. I think he's going to be ninety-one this year, coming I up. Think so. And vibrant, and still rides horses, and seems to get around really well. I mean, he is. I think that's the secret. If you stay positive, I was just thinking and, the same and, thing. And have things that you want to do. You know, mm-hmm. and you go after those things. I think he's a great example of that. I, I think he's so a too. great example of that. So before we get to our wrap up, 
what did you think of the end of this movie? You know, we've talked about some big ideas tonight. We've talked about God, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, I've said it on the show before and you've said it on the show before. We both believe in the existence of a, of a much higher power. I, right. I, I just don't know how you, you could look out at this and see the way that things are so interconnected and not go that there's something bigger, bigger at play here. And I feel like that that's the fingerprint of that bigger thing. Kind of, kind of giving you a little wink, you know, uh, now listen, there are a lot of different views on this, that we're in a holographic matrix. There's a lot of stuff out there, you know, right. But I feel like there's something at the very center of this, the source, if you will, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of people like to use the word source, God, whatever you choose to use. I think that there is something out there. What do you think of the end of this movie? Because I think what this movie ultimately says and it waits right there until the end to say it is so beautiful and so simplistic. And I think right. so true. I think so too. And if you so. haven't seen the movie, McCoy and Spock are talking and we don't hear their, their dialogue. They, but they tell Jim that they were, you know, debating whether or not there is a God out there. And, mm-hmm. Jim Kirk says, well, I don't know if he's out there. Maybe he's right here. And he points to his heart. And he says, right here in the human heart. Mm-hmm. And I think that is just absolutely beautiful. I think so, too. I, I, I don't know how else you, you wrap this thing up. I know. No, I, I like the way that ends because, I mean, that is, like you said, that is true. And I like the idea that there are false gods, mm-hmm. you know, false creators. If you look at Gnosticism, there's the Demiurge. You know, every, everybody kind of has, everything has their bad guy, you know. Right. Uh, but there are false creators, you know, yeah. throughout mythology. So very interesting movie. So the final question as we wrap this up is, is this movie as bad as they say? No. And I don't think it is. <laughs> I, I don't I, think so at all. I, I think I think we've established where we are on it. It's very nice, though. I was on YouTube looking up clips for this and, and looking at reviews of the movie. And a lot of fans have come around on it. And it's really nice. That's very good. And even fans who go, you know, this isn't my favorite movie of the series. But my God, like there's the best moments in the in the series or yeah. in this movie. And I think it's because Shatner understood what Star Trek really is at its core. It's the three of them. Right. You know, it's the three of them. And their relationship is front and center in this. We have a good story. We have a good adventure. We have some humor. And Star Trek does humor really, really well. And this group especially. Yes. And Shatner has always handled humor really, really well. So before we row, row, row our boat out of here, well, it's beautiful, isn't it? That they, that they book in the movie with row, row, row your boat. It's, it's, it's what a a beautiful kind of Zen (laughs) outlook on life, you know? (laughs) So my final question, you know, and listen, I said, we don't, you know, I, 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 I kind of look sideways at people who claim to have all the answers. We don't have the answers here, but faith is life a dream. I don't know. <laughs> Sometimes there are parts where I wish I could wake up. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It feels like a dream sometimes. It, it sometimes doesn't. it does. Yes. Are we all just part of some giant creature's dream? I don't know. Is waking life uh, the real dream? And when we sleep, is that is that real? I don't know. Who knows? Who you know knows? what? I've decided I'm not going to worry about it. I'm just going to float just down the river on my boat. There you go. That's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to row, row, Your row boat. my boat. Yeah. Really good movie. Really good I love movie. It. Really good movie. Programming note if you listen to our last episode, The Invaders, we said at the end of The Invaders that our next episode would be uh, The Night Stalker, this starring Darren McGavin. This is Stalker. obviously not. Uh, we are going to get to The Night Stalker, and we're going to get to The Night Stalker. And its sequel, The Night Strangler, sooner rather than later. So hang in there for that. Uh, as we said, it, January got to be a lot busier for us than we thought it would be. There's just a lot of life that's gotten in the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're back, though. We're back regular. Thank you for sticking with us and supporting us. And wherever you are out there, we hope that you're doing well. Thank you for listening to the show. We hope you're happy and healthy. And we hope... We hope that you're taking some of these things that we talk about and a lot of other people talk about. If you listen to the Fringe FM or if you listen to Ryan Gable, um, taking these things to heart and and remembering that there that what unites us 
is a lot stronger than what divides us. And that there are people out there who would have you hate us and us hate you. And, you know, when we get down to it, if you have a conversation, those things go away. Those things exactly. go away. Don't don't buy into the division. Yeah. Don't buy into it. Um, conversations and open hearts clear a lot of air. Yes. <laughs> clear a lot of air. So be good to yourself. Be good to your neighbor. Be good to yourself. That's that that that's that's number one. Starts, Everything yeah, else comes from there. that. Yeah, Everything there. else comes from that. Question everything. Everything. Every everything. Question thing. what we talked about on this show tonight. <laughs> for real. Well, that's it for Star Trek Five. This uh, I, I I can't really I really can't say enough good things about this. I I I love it. There's there's a good flow to this movie, you know. That's that's another good thing I like. There's no yeah. There's no know, dead space there's here. No dead space. It's yeah. it's an entertaining movie. I like what it says. I like spending time with these guys. And it feels like Star Trek. It does. That's the thing. It's core. It really has the essence essence of it Star does. Trek. So, well, before you go back to eating your beans and watching Smokey and the Banner or Pork Rinds and, and Night Court or resetting your Roku, which I don't know why the Roku reset while we were doing the show. Uh, I don't know. Some spirit must have been trying to get our attention. Uh, next up on our horror and sci-fi movie podcast is a movie from 1993. Uh, might be a little left field choice, but you know what? We don't care. Uh, <laughs> we're going to be doing Conehead starring Dan Aykroyd and Jane Curtin. And to give you a little bit of a, a preview of what's going to be coming up here on the show, we're going to be doing Coneheads obviously next week. We don't know what's the week after that, but movies that are on the slate. We have the Back to the Future trilogy. We have Drag Me to Hell. We have the Night Stalker and the Night Strangler. And I feel like there was another one we talked about earlier that is escaping me at the moment. I don't remember. Uh, we are going to get to The Conjuring <laughs> eventually, too. We had talked about doing The Conjuring, so we're going to we're gonna do that down the road, did too. Did we not do The Conjuring? We didn't. No, it we was New Year's. We watched The Conjuring. We watched it. We, we wrote a show. We just never recorded it. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's how we roll sometimes. <laughs> That's what January did to That's us. That's right. Wow. Okay, yeah, the New Year hit, and we just like... Lost yeah. it. <laughs> just put our feet up. Just put our feet up and went, y'all listen to the back catalog. So, Well, thank you for tuning in for real wherever wherever you are. We hope that you are rowing your boat and that your life is a dream. Stay healthy and stay safe out there. Faith, it feels like it's that time, doesn't it? Does. It does. Let us snap our fingers and see if once again we can make the magic happen. Are you ready? I'm ready. On the count of three. One, two, three. Well, there it is. Time to say goodbye. Time to say goodbye. Conehead, starring Dan Aykroyd and Jane Curtin, and pretty much everybody who was on Saturday Night Live <laughs> at the time. I'm excited. Is up next. It's a great movie. It's gonna be. It's the greatest love story. Yeah. We'll do right? on this show outside of <laughs> Freddie and Nancy, maybe. <laughs> so, all right, Faith, take us home. May your coffin be cozy and your sarcophagus warm. May the light of the moon keep you safe from harm. Be you vampire, spook, specter, or beast. Always remember, keep, keep your, your monster, monster on, on a leash. leash. We'll see you in the final frontier. 